Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thank you so much for listening. My guest today is Graham Elwood. Before we get to Graham, I just want to say, please go to our website at TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there. You can see stories that I've written and that some of the other guests have written. You can click on all our links to our social media. That is, of course, Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. You can click on the link to Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. You can click on our Facebook page. Please follow us on Facebook at Travel Tales Podcast at Facebook. And there are links to the various ways you can listen to us. One is, of course, on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. And if you're going to iTunes, why not give us a good rating? That always uh, is a nice thing to do. And it helps people find the show because it boosts our presence. And that's a cool thing. If you want to write me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of writing me, I will be returning to the cruise ships to perform stand-up comedy over the holidays. And I want to know if any of the listeners out there have any information on places to go, and especially dive shops in St. Martin, in San Juan, Puerto Rico, in St. Thomas, in Tortola, in the British Virgin Islands, and in the island of Dominica. Any of those places, if you know of any great dive spots, maybe some good restaurants, those are the ports I'm going to be hitting on this trip. So if you have any information on any of those spots, please write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com and give me the inside scoop, because quite frankly, I will have a lot of downtime on this trip and uh, want to fill it with doing something productive. And you know I love to dive, so if you got any info on diving in the Caribbean and any of those spots I mentioned, uh, please write me. All right, let's get to Graham Elwood. Graham is one of my oldest friends in comedy and show business. We met way back in Chicago doing stand-up, and uh, he was actually the first guest we've ever had here on the Travel Tales podcast four long years ago. And since then, he has done a lot of traveling. The bulk of our conversation the first time was mainly about his trips to perform for the troops in the Middle East. But since then, he has done a lot of traveling, mostly through Asia, and he has just returned from his second trip to mainland China. He traveled to Japan and Australia, shooting his documentary called Earbuds, which uh, we'll tell you more about during the conversation. And I caught him the day before he was about to board a plane to Australia because, well, he'll tell you why. It's a pretty amazing story about uh, the power of podcasting. For as long as podcasting's been around, Graham has been one of the biggest cheerleaders for podcasting. He was instrumental, him and um, his uh, partner at Comedy Film Nerds, Chris Mancini, along with Dave Anthony and Andy Wood, they uh, started the LA Podcast Festival. And with all their various podcasts, they have fans all around the world. And basically the documentary talks about that, how uh, podcasts, just some people sitting alone in a room like I'm doing right now, can reach all around the world. So it's pretty amazing, and I'm glad I could catch him before he left town again. So please enjoy my talk with the funny and talented comedian slash filmmaker, Graham Elwood. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids 
Graham Elwood, speaking of Asia, you were just there. I was just in China. I was in uh, Beijing and Shanghai doing shows. See, now I still have not been to mainland China. I've been to Hong Kong and Taiwan, so like China light I've been to. Right. So you went, first of all, you need a, uh, what's the visa process? Visa process, so now you, and I think this is beginning to change for Hong Kong, but as obviously as as the Chinese government is really trying to take over Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. Taiwan, different story. Yeah. Um, But so you had to go to, it's pretty simple process, but you have to fill out, um, a bunch of paperwork uh, that you print off of the uh, Chinese embassy's website, and you go to the Chinese consulate. And you need to kind of, and you need to write out who you're, who's bringing you over. Oh, you need like a sponsor or something. Kinda, yeah. Um, and who was bringing you over? I just put the people that were booking me at the Kung Fu Comedy Club in Shanghai. Um, so put them down. Uh, then you got to fill out all your. Tra- you need flights and travel info before you get the visa. Right. Um, you need hotel information because if you're in China for more than 24 hours without them knowing your address, they come get you if they if they don't let you in. Okay. So uh, that's $140 for the visa. They turn it around about four or five days. It's a pretty simple process. Right. And it's good for a year. Do you have to send your uh, passport up to San Francisco or something? No, they have a consulate here in Los Angeles. Oh, they do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, like Wilshire, Vermont area. Oh, okay. So um, you go there and get your passport. You know, I dropped it off on a Monday, picked it back up on like a Thursday or a Friday. Oh, that's easy. Um, so that was pretty simple, and it wasn't some, you know, again, it took four days. Um, but it's 140 bucks. It's good for a year. I was there last summer, but it had expired, so I had to get a... Uh, it's multiple entries within a year. Can't stay longer than 90 days. Okay, uh, so where did you go last summer? Last summer, I went to Hong Kong and uh, okay. Guangzhou and Beijing and Shanghai. Okay. So I had already, I had already uh, met the guys that... The, the Hong Kong gig I did last year was through a guy by the name of Michael Dorsher who's brought out some comics. He brought out like Jackie Cation and... No, that's not the... Because uh, when I was in Hong Kong, there's a club. There's a full-time club, the Takeout Comedy. Mm-hmm. That's the guy, Jameson. And then there's one, this English guy books, that's in like a, an Indian restaurant. That's like on weekends. Yeah, this is this guy, Michael Dorsher. I just started kind of his own thing. Okay. And then he sort of put me in touch with an Australian dude that lives in Shanghai. He's been doing the Kung Fu Comedy Club. And that's like a 100-seat room in Shanghai. It's like the only for full-time like comedy club, English-speaking comedy club in so China. I'm, I'm guessing it's all expats. All the, expats. Right. Mostly for... Like Aussies, Americans, mostly Americans. Oh yeah, and some Aussies and some Brits, of course. Right. Uh, but you get a lot of Americans because you know it's a, it's an American art form. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you look at America, there's two there's a two hundred and fifty seat two hundred hundred and fifty to two hundred seat comedy club in every city. Cities with a yeah. hundred thousand two hundred thousand people have two hundred seat comedy clubs. Yeah. I mean, so no other country has that. Um. So I think a lot of Amer and then you know obviously a lot of Americans in in China working. So anyway, right. uh, this guy Michael Dorsher out of Hong Kong hooked me up with the the guys in Shanghai and the and the people in Beijing. Uh and so I was trying to set up another the flights were just so cheap this right. this fall. It was like 750 800 to go anywhere in Asia this this from at, LA. From LA. Right. 
Um, and I was like, well, God, let's try to go back there and set up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was trying to do Vietnam and Cambodia, and then I was going to go to China. Um, but I had to finish the earbuds, this the podcasting documentary that we did a lot of traveling for. Uh, so I had to cancel Vietnam and Cambodia sort of last minute, which was a bummer because I really wanted to go check those places out. Oh, you'd never been. Yeah, I remember you were asking me about it. I know. I was all ready to go, and then it was just things fell behind um, on a couple things, as they tend to do with independent filmmaking. Yeah. But um, And we just we just submitted to South by Southwest, and we really need this movie to be done, and we've put a lot of money into it. So uh, I had to stay back to finish it. So So Shanghai. I've never been, but of all the cities I want to do, the Shanghai is number one in mainland China I want to see. It's a fantastic city. Yeah. It's fantastic on a it lot of Seems like levels. Blade Runner from the looks <laughs> of it. You know what I mean? It's like futuristic looking. It is like Blade Runner. Um, it, 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 well, it's cool because Shanghai. Replicants. There's a lot of replicants. A lot of replicants. I mean, Deckard was a replicant. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Oh, I ruined Ram. it. Okay, go on. I ruined it. Um, <laughs> so the thing about Shanghai is first it's got a really cool history in the sense that it's like a lot of these port towns. And it was literally, I forget what they're called, if they're called districts or quarters or whatever, but literally there was like a Dutch district, a French yeah. district. Um, and the city was was has always been a little more international. Like when you're in Beijing, you feel like you're, you're in China. a communist Chinese, I mean, yeah. it's the capital um, but when you're in Shanghai, you feel like you're in more of an international city. And like it's, Hong Kong. Like, like it's, it's a lot like Hong Kong. Yeah. And in the same way that Hong Kong attracts a lot of finance pe- people, Shanghai now, because of the economy in China, is attracting just business people of any, of any kind. Any foreign company that's doing business in China probably has offices in Shanghai. Right. So the crowd, like in Beijing, it was almost all Americans and some Brits, uh, in, in the crowd. In the crowd. Yeah. Shanghai had like Europeans, uh, you know, people from wherever, Italy and all different countries. So, and also there's starting to be Chinese comics who, and there are starting to be shows popping up in Mandarin. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's pretty fantastic. I wonder if there's stuff that they can't say, you know, like, uh, like if the government would say, you know, if they try to come out against a lot of shit, you know, well, how much speech is oppressed. You know? They tell that to all the comics. To you, they t- they said like what couldn't you say? They say the four T's: Tibet, uh, Tiananmen, Taiwan, and the government. Okay. <laughs> Taiwan too. You oh can't... yeah, I can't talk about Taiwan. Really? That's interesting. You, well, you can't you can't say like oh Ta- Taiwan needs sovereignty. It needs its yeah, own. You can't should, you yeah. can't say that. You can't say oh give let, they should give back Tibet. Can't say that. So if you did say it, what were the penalties? What would you think would happen? You'd have a little longer stay than you thought. Well, it's not like there's there was like a government official in the audience, yeah. or something like that. But I but think, it wouldn't get a a reaction. I bet the crowd would be a little too afraid to. I laugh. I made one little hint at something, and the crowd just got quiet. Oh, so mm. um, <clears throat> like what? What would they? What I did th- you say? I forget. I said something. I made some Dalai Lama joke or something. Oh, like that. boy. You brought your hippie nonsense, yeah, to the red menace. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you're contradicting yourself, Mike. I, yeah. uh, you're arguing within. <laughs> I hate all sides. Yeah. I, I go against. <laughs> um, I think if you were to really push it, eventually 
something would happen. And, yeah. And the, they'd probably lean on the club. Okay. So how many people were on the show other than you? Like, were you doing a full 45 minutes? I did a full 45 minutes, and they probably had about three acts in front of me, maybe four, each doing about 10 minutes each. And there's a nice little scene, especially in Shanghai. It's a it's a pretty it's pretty amazing. There's a lot of there's a lot of t- shows to be done. It's it's cool. So how would you compare it in terms of like cleanliness, say to Hong Kong or anywhere else? Like about the same. And how about Beijing as compared to Shanghai? Well, Beijing is just the most utilitarian city ever. I mean, it's these grids. It's a ring, and there's these rings from from that spiral out from the Tiananmen. Oh yeah. Um, so with these major roads that's that go mm-hmm. around it, so it's like, oh, I live in this ring, that ring, this ring. It's like, so you know, is it like twenty million people there? Oh, the cities Beijing? are giant. They're, they're yeah. twenty. There's twenty three or twenty four million people in Shanghai. <laughs> They're wow. mammoth. Yeah. I mean, it makes like Chicago, where we grew up, seem like that's only three million. Three million. Yeah, and I think in China they said there's like uh, I don't know how many, like ten cities that have twenty million people in them or something like that. It was some crazy number. Oh yeah, it just like cities uh, of like a couple million, two, three million. They're they're just littered yeah. around. We have New York, which is like eight, I think. Yeah, L.A.'s what four or five? Yeah. Chicago's twenty three. million. Twenty million people. Shanghai is like the building density of Manhattan is spread out as L.A. Yeah. It's Tokyo un- is kind of like that, too. Yeah, Tokyo's mammoth. Yeah, it's like L.A. spread out, but it's high. It's yeah. tall. Here in L.A., everything's one, two stories. You know, yeah. There, it's like everything's eight stories, but it's still that much land. It's so crazy. How was it getting around? Was it, was it good? Train systems are great. All right. Um, Did you get sick? Any uh, food poisoning? That's very common in mainland China, I heard. No. And you don't eat meat, I don't which eat, helps a lot, probably. Yeah. So I'm not eating any like weird, just some... How was the food? I loved it. I mean, I think, especially the food in Beijing is fantastic. It's, there's like the Szechuan, this hot pot thing. Oh, I love Szechuan hot So pot. good. Mm. And the Chinese, the food in mainland China is nothing like Chinese restaurants in the States. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. You don't get a fortune cookie? They just... Really? They laugh. No duck, orange duck sauce? Yeah. They don't give you packets the, of that? Everything isn't just Kung Pao, <laughs> whatever. Um, Panda Express saw a lot of those over there. Yeah, a lot of them. But yeah, it was the food was fantastic. How is it different when you say it's different? I'm sure the freshness is better. There's all these items on there you've never seen on a menu. Just how it's cooked, how it's prepared. You know, it's the the, the menu. The Chinese menus here are just this yeah. this fried rice and mushu this and that's you know. Well, standard thing there is like I know in Taiwan we had to go to the night markets. And eat all the like I'd eat all the stinky tofu and then all the crazy things like big squid on a stick. And no, uh, but the, you can get anything at the night markets. Did right. you go to the markets? I mean, there like China's notorious for they have like insects on a stick and all that. They stuff. have that in Beijing, yeah. Those yeah. crazy markets. Um, you weren't that bold. I was not that bold, Mike. I know. Well, it was a living thing that insect was. Yeah, Mike. It had a face. <laughs> it's a sentient being. Sentient so being. I can't. The go. Dalai Lama taught us that. Oh, Ooh, la, Lama, Lama. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, um, getting back to the stuff we talked about, I did a, when I was in Shanghai a year ago, I was on a podcast with two local comics. Chinese guys or? Of, yeah, expats? Chinese guy, two Chinese people. Oh, wow. Um, and one was a, a woman, Leia Lua, who actually now has moved to the States. And I said, if you talked about the government, on your podcast, he was like, "No, you couldn't. I couldn't release this. No way." Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's sort of there. I mean, it also feels like the Chinese government is just sort of like about money. Yeah. You know, it's not. Yeah, they're towing the line. It's just like you're embracing a lot of capitalism, but you're not, how do you how does it work? You know, it's, either you're in, you're out. You know, all of a sudden they got. Why are there more billionaires there now than than anywhere else in the world? It's like. Mm. You, and you see this crazy money. I mean, you see yeah. really expensive cars on the streets. I mean, uh, and they really like Buicks. Like a Buick LaCrosse is like the fancy. Somebody somewhere's buying Buicks. Yeah. I can't believe they're still making them. No one's buying them they, here. Yeah, they still it. make Mercuries. You know that? They still make Mercuries. No. They do. They canceled the Mercuries. No, I think they still make them. My brother had one. They canceled them. No, really? Yeah. Finally. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, somebody's buying a Buick. I guess it's the Chinese. <laughs> and it's like a status symbol, right? Have an American car. Mm-hmm. I was in Vietnam. I was in uh, Hanoi. And we were following... Uh, I was in a taxi. And we're following... It was a red Bentley. First of all, a Bentley alone. Yeah. You know, and, and also in Vietnam... And red, it was like a pimp-colored car, a red Bentley, brand new, probably over $100,000. And I asked the guy, I was like, Who's, who could that be? Who could possibly right. that be? And he just said, oh, it was like someone probably high up in the government or something. I was like, oh, my God, really? A red Bentley? You're not even faking it at that point. You're <laughs> like, hey, look at me, assholes, right? I mean, you're just in their face with it. Yeah, I think, too, it was... Um... It was there's the there's the expat community in these cities is very it's sort of its own world a little bit. Do, yeah. Are they kind of hands off with the expats just because they're bringing in so much money? Yeah, they kind of leave it like if you're a Chinese citizen and you get busted with like a bag of weed, you're going to prison. Oh yeah. If you're an expat, they're going to be like, all right, just a huge fine, just it is. or maybe maybe just or, get out of here. Okay. Next time I'm taking it, like yeah. Um. If you're doing hard drugs as an expat, they'll just kick you out of the country. Yeah. If Singapore, they'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Death. It's all, yeah. all, all on, on the uh, entrance forms and all that bright red penalty of death for any kind of drugs. And, and still some idiots still yeah, try still to sneak in. Yeah, still get away with it, man. Yeah. <laughs> there was some 18-year-old Australian girl when I was there, like in the news, because she tried to... It says it everywhere. Like, you're not going to yeah. get away. I know. You mm-hmm. can't want to get high that badly. To risk death in prison. Death. Oh, my God. That's why I love my, my favorite show is Locked Up Abroad, because every show, and you're just like, yeah, idiot. How much trouble could we get into? A lot. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I was, I was like, I was 22, and we were in Bangkok, and this yeah. guy gave us a package, and it's just like, oh, God, you're so <laughs> dumb. You're so dumb. Like you deserve to be in a, in a fucking Thailand prison for that long. <laughs> so what did the uh, like Chinese nationals, the ones you talked to, and I assume most of them had, or, or had any of them been to the States when you met them. Like, what do they ask you as an American? What do they want to know about America? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, I think there were a lot of them were asking, like, why like, they were trying to figure out. Because, like, being a professional stand-up comic, it's just like, what? Yeah, it's not a job. It's how, not. How a, was you, it, yeah. they, they don't understand. You're coming over here for what? To perform? Um, were they asking this more about you? Specifically, yeah, after like, seeing your act, yeah, like it- wow, how and you make a living from this? That's the, what I just saw you do. Really, people pay. We're pay, hiring here in the factory. If people you, pay money for this. You can make iPods here with that act. <laughs> have you thought? Do you have another profession that you've worked on? Um, so, like, how is there? How much freedom they do they have in choosing a profession? I mean, in terms of, I mean, they must have. You're not assigned. No, it's not, it's not, it's not Soviet, like that. It's not the Soviet Union yeah. in the 80s or whatever. It's, it's, 
there is this sort of freedom and you go to school and you try to get a good job. And um, I think only like if you're a communist party member, are you like assigned stuff? It's what I could tell. Um, But a lot of people are just sort of, you know, when they opened up their country, I think they sort of opened it up in the sense that they're wanting people to kind of get out there and do what they want to a certain extent, as long as they don't challenge the government. It's really just like, don't challenge the government. Well, I'm seeing a lot more of them travel around the world. Yeah, for sure. A lot of them, they're getting around a lot. Well, they have more money. Yeah. And they're notorious for, I mean, because they, they don't speak English, you know, or any other language usually. So it's, uh, they go in big groups, like giant bus loads. Mm -hmm. You can always see them coming. I remember I was in, uh, I was in (laughs) Vietnam and they said, this, I was at this, some dive shop, and this, the woman said, this is the typical call you'll get. Okay, we're, going, we're coming by tomorrow morning with a group of 80. Uh, we need all equipment. Uh, we need all of the, you know, nobody's, uh, nobody's licensed. Nobody's, we need all the equipment, and uh, nobody can swim. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> like, what? What? That's like the typical call you'd get. And, yeah. And they don't wait in line. That was the other big thing. They're notorious around the world for that. It's like... Even in Thailand, they were complaining about. Uh, there's, you can see videos online of them just buffaloing into it because they just, yeah, they don't wait. They don't wait. Well, that's the thing too. It was funny because, like, uh, you know, someone was telling me, might have been some local comic was just like after, you know, living in China for a while. You know, they hear about like road rage in the states. Like if that, if you got mad every time somebody cut you off, like the dry, people just drive. There's, I've seen scooters on the street. I mean, I mean, on the sidewalks, like tra- oh, yeah. traffic is just it's and, and everyone's just like eh, 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 cars just cut in from everywhere. Like there's no <laughs> if you're like that American, like, hey, that's my lane. Forget it. No, man. You, you have to be aggressive or you're going to get left behind. Yeah. You know, there's too many people. Yeah, it's too many. I mean, I've never been but I can only, I've been to India. I can only kind of compare it to that. I mean, it's just like going to a place where there's a billion people. It's just too much. You know, I was in a subway in Shanghai, and it was like I was like, "Wow, this is really crowded." And this comic I was with goes, "Do you think this is crowded?" I go, "Yeah," and she goes, "This is nothing, nothing." I mean, they literally jam. Oh, they have those things where they jam you in, jam you that in. Drive me. Oh. It's like crazy, dude, and it, everything mm-hmm. moves so fast there. How about uh, prices in terms of like, say, Beijing to Shanghai? Because Hong Kong is expensive. China's cheap. Yeah, I mean, Shanghai, I, I got to assume mainland China is better. It's it's. I mean, meals are really cheap. If you, I mean, a really like nice high end meal is like twenty bucks a person. Wow. Okay. You can go to these little stands and pay five bucks. I mean, it's dirt cheap. Though. Right. Um, even in the store. I mean, they're they're starting to have fancy malls and you know all right. this high end stuff that's like comparable to American pricing. But you can find stuff for really cheap. You I mean, always see crazy things now that, you know, when China has money, they will build a town that make it look like Venice in, in Italy. And then another town will look like, mm-hmm. you know, someplace in America. You know, so did you see any kind of weirdness well, like that? I took the train. I took a bullet train from Beijing to Shanghai, which is about five hours. And you you pass through some of these out in the middle of nowhere. There's just some city that popped up and some of them are abandoned. Because they built it around a factory or something? Yeah, the factory's gone, and now they're all gone. Um, But some of them were just, like, thriving. And the other thing, I must have passed on a five-hour train ride probably seven or eight uh, nuclear power plants. Wow. And smog all the way down. 
Like the air quality is a real issue there, man. Oh, I bet. You know, well, they said during the Olympics, the marathoners didn't want to run in Beijing because mm-hmm. the, the air pollution was so bad. It was, I was there for like two, I was in Beijing for two days and on either side of me were like red alert. Mm. Like I just barely missed it. And, and was it palpable? Like when you stepped outside, <laughs> you'd take a breath. And- well, yeah, I keep coughing because I came back with a little cold, but I think I'm, I'm convinced my, my lungs and everything are, are one of the things that made this cold worse was the air quality there. And everyone's oh, sure. still smoking cigarettes. Isn't that crazy? It's just like, <clears throat> it's fantastic. It's, it's fascinating because it's just like. And cheap, really, I guess, um, as not a smoker, but I've talked to smokers, and they say the stuff that they smoke, like getting an American pack of Marlboros is a very big status symbol. That's like a big deal. But there's local Chinese cigarettes, which I guess are just awful. It's, and you're in these bars. There's and like all paint the, chips in them. <laughs> or something, yeah. you know, whatever. The Europeans still smoke. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. They have no, like, is anyone aware of? Uh... <laughs> and it's you forget because we're so spoiled here in the States, you can't smoke everywhere that it's, you know. We went to this bar that was just above the Kung Fu Comedy Club. Really cool bar with this nice view of, mm-hmm. of Shanghai and everything, and all these expats hanging out, which was which was neat. But everyone's smoking, and I was just like, I was like, I gotta go. Yeah, you get sensitive to it. You, we're yeah. It reminds when you, you and I in this country. remember when we were first on the road in the early nineties. Yeah, you'd come home off the road and open up your suitcase, and it all smelled like oh. smoke because people could smoke in the comedy club. Yeah, and we're standing above them, and they're looking at us, and they're blowing it upward. Right, it's like, and you take that shower. And it was in your hair. You could smell it coming. Oh. I used to wear contact lenses back then, and it would like peel them off because <laughs> yeah. they would have smoke in them. It was nasty. Yeah, it can get pretty bad. Like, did you? F- How was the bullet train? By the way, that was fantastic. Isn't that cool? Bullet trains are pretty. Cool. Bullet trains are great. I love taking trains, especially all the air travel I've had to do over the years. I was like, oh, you should just take a flight. It's an hour flight. Yeah, but it's getting in and out of the airport. And yeah, when you add up all the other stuff, the security and, th- and how you. Yeah, the wait times and they're hurting in and out of the thing. I'm on a great. I'm on a train. It was great. I read, <laughs> walking around. I stood around, looked out the window. I ate some food. It was. I just love trains. Yeah, I, I love did. Them. I took the bullet in uh, Japan from Tokyo to Kyoto. Ah, here. How was that? That was great. Beautiful. How, Beautiful. how many hours? I, th- I want to say yeah, maybe like four, maybe mm-hmm. four to five. I hear Kyoto's amazing. It's really nice. It's really nice. It's like the old Japan, you know. But then well, again, Japan in terms of cleanliness is no content. I mean, it's the cleanest place place ever. But I mean, when I see people here and like candidates saying how they want to get rid of the EPA of all things, it's just like go to a country where there's no environmental protection agency and go go take a big whiff of air, take a swim in one of the waterways. Yeah, there. well, these they, yeah, what what candidate were they? Republican candidates? Oh yeah, of course they're the, they're idiots. They're it's lunatics. like, of all the things we're going to cut in government, let's keep that. Let's keep that and go to yeah. a place where there's no health inspection and everything else, and, or safety inspection, or building inspection. Well, or, yeah, you're in China, you're going through and you see these these atomic power plants out in the middle of nowhere, and like, if there's a meltdown, no one in the world would know. Right. The Chinese government <laughs> would just block it. Yeah. They would just, I mean, you know, like, if you're in, if something happens in a major city in China, people are going to know, because people, I mean, they block Facebook and stuff, but everybody's got VPNs and they circumvent it. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a small, some small town and something were to happen, the Chinese government would come and just go, nope. <laughs> and you'd never know. That's the thing where they said that, how can they build these trains so quickly? And they build all these buildings for the Olympics so fast. And it's just like, because they can just take your house and just say, hey, we're, you're done. Yeah. Really? But my family's been here for a thousand. Yep. Nope. 
Yeah. Tracks are coming through here. Done. There's no voting. There's yeah. no, like, we need to... Re- Unions. No. <laughs> no. You want to work around the clock? That's how they do it. Yeah. We're gonna, this is going to happen. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. It's, we say it's happening. It's happening. Like, <laughs> so that's the thing, like, that's... Um, I'm curious to see how China responds to this, you know, and also having been in Japan recently, too, and... I watch NHK news a lot. Mm-hmm. American news is horrible. It's hard to watch. What but, do you mean? It's, it's entertainment. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's, 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 and now we end with a puppy. Yeah. It's just a puppy. If there's a two fight, you're on this side. No one, no one is ever going to say, oh, that's a good point. I never, hadn't yeah. thought of that. No one's <laughs> going to say that in the news because that's not good ratings. <laughs> so, you know, the other thing too, China, like in the, in the China Sea, has just built this island that's going to be a military inst- installation for them. And everyone's like, hey, what are you doing? And they're just like, what do you mean? Yeah. You can't do that. What do you, can't do what? The island you're building that's going to be a naval port. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy, huh? Like they just literally, <laughs> yeah. they just, it's unbelievable how they operate. And, right. And eventually they just go, well, what are you, you going to do? I mean, they. Are you going to stop us? Well, you know, it's like. We control the economy now. Yeah. Well, they're buying up Africa. When I went I there, I mean, they're really buying it up. And uh, they were willing... When I was in the Serengeti last year, they, uh, they're they in negotiations to put... It was either a road or train tracks right through the the middle of the Serengeti and right across the migration routes of everything. And just like... And if they pay off the government enough, which they, they will. Be able to I mean, it'll, it'll be done. Because, I mean... God bless them. I know that, but when the Chinese get money, I mean that's when the ivory trade went crazy. Yep. Uh, if if there's anything endangered or the environment, they do not give a shit. No. And they it's gone. You know you can say what you want about us, but a lot of time we've poisoned a lot of lands around the right. world. But the, at least now we're kind of getting around to the fact that oh we can't right. do that, but they do not. So yeah, when I was extracting there. every mineral and everything out of there and. Well, what they're doing, what China has realized what their, where their power is, is in their economy. So what they're doing is um, the, the president of China was over there when I was there, and it was this big thing because he's like, we're going to give $60 billion to help Africa. Yeah. So they're just buying their way into everything. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, we're coming in with $60 billion. We're going to help with trade and blah 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 and commerce and aid and blah 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 okay yeah great who's gonna say no and if I, the whole world is sort of culpable to this a little bit i oh, sure this, i read this great article on the on the on the flight home about the dalai lama he just turned 80 and the article was in, it was in the new york times was like you know 10 you know 15 years ago Everyone was like protesting China and free Tibet, free Tibet. Now, well, we're all making money over there, so hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is anyone is anyone complaining about Tibet? You know, and I got to be honest. I sort of, as I was reading, it, I was like, "Wow, I've come to China, and you used to protest, for yeah, Tibet. yeah, I used to, and now I'm <laughs> going over there. Well, there's gigs, and so I felt can't, that's one of the T's. I can't bring it up. You know, I just I felt yeah, exactly, and I'm like I'm censoring myself because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to fuck the gig up, and not to, I don't know. I felt a little like man, I'm sort of contributing to this a little bit. Not that my right my stand up act is gonna, <laughs> but in the way, in a way, maybe it will. You know what I mean? It's like how did the the Soviets 
union fall. We didn't invade there. It just eventually they got more culture and the people wanted it. And right. how long can they keep things out of uh, with the internet, especially now? I mean, more new ideas are going to come in and then the younger people are going to latch onto it. And you'd hope, I guess, maybe. It's funny because all of the young Chinese comics that I spoke to are all well aware of Tiananmen Square and Tibet. Yeah. And they're all aware of it because they're listening to like they listen to American podcasts and even though iTunes is blocked and all that, they find ways around it. And there are listening to all of us saying, wow, what the fuck? Why, did they, why don't they give the Tibet back? <laughs> yeah. You know, and there they saw the protests, you know, what, that were happening in Hong Kong last year. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, Hong, the Hong Kongers do not like the Chinese at all. Say, tell someone from Hong Kong, oh, you're Chinese and see how fucking at, mad they get. Yeah. But again, it comes down to money as well, because the Hong Kong brings in so much money, they kind of like... They can only push so hard, you know. They want they would m- love more control, but there is blowback because and they have some muscle because there's so much money coming in. Out. Right, it's just you know there's a whole stock exchange in there. I mean, it's crazy. Hong Kong is the is the like the capital of Asian business. Yeah, basically. Yeah, uh, it's fantastic. It's really it's really fascinating to see how this is all going to shake out because China is not going to exert itself militarily so much. I mean, they are a little bit, but they they realize that the whole thing of soft power is about them just getting their culture out. Mm-hmm. And look what they've done to the movie industry. So there's yeah, only thirty Hollywood. You know, they they make movies now to cater to them. Of course, because there's only thirty four foreign films allowed to be released a year. Oh, really? Yeah, but. You shoot a scene in China with Chinese actors, that's how you get around it. You look at every major blockbuster. Oh, really? Did you see The Martian? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, well, the Chinese space agency really comes to the rescue here. Oh, do they? Yeah, Mm. it's fantastic. Interesting. And uh, Did they go to that Chinese spaceport in the new uh, Star Wars? (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't (laughs) doubt it, dude. You're going to see something. You're going to see some, I mean, I'm telling you, in every major blockbuster. Now I'm going to be looking for it. Has it. Look for it. Wow. That's and, interesting. And that's how the big studios are getting around this. Is there a couple like big, because you, you're the, being the movie expert here, is there like some Chinese actors that they all of a sudden show up in movies, you'll, some big, you'll just like see, famous ones? You'll just see, they're not even going to be that famous. You'll just see Chinese actors. I mean, some of them might have fame over there, but you'll just right. see Chinese actors, chi- not Chinese American, but Chinese citizens in movies. <laughs> and it'll, and usually, it's usually some representation of the Chinese government. The Chinese government is always shown in a favorable light. So yeah, we've all yeah. jumped on the gravy train, and hey, sorry, they just took Tibet and you know mm-hmm. fight with Taiwan, and I, we're all letting it happen. And I I felt bad afterwards. I was like, man. The people in China are cool. The guys that run the clubs are cool. The other comics are cool. But part of me is like, man, am I participating in this? Should I be fighting more of the good fight for t- for Tibet, man? I mean, you could say that about any. You could say that about our government. You know, you know, are, are we feeding that as well? Right. By not, are we not doing enough to fight the fact that we've been in Iraq and Afghanistan for fourteen years? You know right. what I mean? And we're drone bombing. You know. Yeah, are no, we feeding that machine? No shit. We kind of are, you know, in a way. But are we, like when you were there, let's say in, in mainland China, what, did, what was on the TV? What Did you see what movies were big when you were there? I mean, were there big billboards and everything? Yeah, and there's, I mean, they have a, they have a pretty thriving uh, 
Chinese film industry, so there's right. a lot of Chinese right. movies that are all shot there that are star a bunch of people we probably haven't known. Well, Hong Kong's was famous. And the Chinese government has canceled that. Oh, really? Is that why we don't see any... What happened to our, our man John Woo? He's probably here Well, somewhere. what happened is <laughs> the uh, the Chinese government has now come in and taken control over the Hong Kong film industry. So mm. each day when you're shooting, there's a different uh, government official telling you what you can and cannot say or do. Oh, that's great to have there's on a not, set. You can't have anything that is critical of the Chinese government. Sure. So that's why there's all of these historical dramas coming out of China, because that's a surefire way to get funding, because the, the government controls the funding. And they'd love to see their own history displayed. On, yeah, okay. So that's why it's, 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 a, it's a shame because Hong Kong for, for decades had this thriving, especially Kung Fu films. Oh, yeah. Came out of Hong Kong. They were amazing. And now that's not happening really anymore. So that's sort of, that's another problem. And that's why um, Hong Kong is really so resistant because... Well, and here's another thing, and this is kind of stuff the Chinese. When I was in uh, Hong Kong, uh, August of 14, so in southern China and in Hong Kong, uh, people speak primarily Cantonese. In Hong Kong, they speak Cantonese. They speak Cantonese and in southern parts of China. So like Guangzhou, we did a show up there, which is about a two-hour train ride. It's in mainland China. But the government speaks Mandarin, Mandarin right? is the national language. Yeah. So the chi- the news in Guangzhou has always been in Cantonese. And one day it was in Cantonese, next day it was in Mandarin. No announcement? <laughs> yeah. No nothing. They just did that. And they're slowly you know like they wanted yeah. the the Chinese government wanted to set up a customs office in the Hong Kong airport. And Hong Kong was like, "No." We are still our own country. We have our own currency. We have all this own our own stuff. But it's I don't know what's going to happen with Hong Kong, man. I worry. Yeah, when I was there in August, the the Occupy Central Hong Kong had, was I was there for the first day of it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was there in Occupy Hong Kong. This was like in 2011. Really? Yeah, and they were camped uh, there was a whole village underneath the HSBC building. And I was like, well, you guys picked a nice spot. You're nice and covered here because yeah. it's like a big arch. It was like, yeah, good good call. But uh, yeah, and that kind of uh, – but I guess they had shut down a lot of stuff. And even the locals now look – they lost a lot of money. So they yeah. were kind of pissed off at them. Yeah. <laughs> Restaurant odors and stuff because they had taken over a whole like shopping district and stuff. But yeah, it's interesting to see where it's all going to shake out. But you were our first guest here at the Travel Tales podcast. Really? Four years ago. Holy yeah. shit. So in that time – You've been 10 times more places than you were the first time. Because right. then it was more about, we talked about your time in Iraq and Afghanistan and right. everything. So now you've done pretty much, well, you've done a hell of a lot of Asia. And then you went to Australia for the first time. Yeah, God. You went, went to Japan, mm-hmm. China. Where else? Australia. Australia. I've been to Australia twice. I'm going there again tomorrow. Um, I went to Japan for the first time. That was to shoot uh, Earbuds, the podcasting documentary. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, like we we're talking about, Hong Kong, mainland China, uh, Japan, Australia, uh, Kuwait, obviously. What have, you haven't gone to? You haven't done Europe really much since then. It's mostly been around Asia. Yeah, I haven't been much to Europe. The last time I was in Europe was like was like ten or twelve years ago. So your first, where in Australia did you go? 
I did a tour. My first comedy tour there was in like November of 2012. I went to Adelaide and Melbourne. Okay. Which were really cool. Um, and then I've never been to Adelaide. I've been to Melbourne. Uh, yeah, Adelaide's a cool little town. They got a nice comedy scene there. There's a there's this uh, Craig Egan does this thing, the Rhino Room, and a couple other shows around there, and they got a nice scene. Uh, and it's been around for a while. Um, and then we went to last summer. We went to Sydney to shoot interviews for earbuds, and then we flew out to Newman. <laughs> Where's that? Newman is uh, north. It's about an hour or so north of Perth. It's a mining oh, town. It's in the middle of the outback. And we interviewed this guy, Russell, who's a, a miner in the Australian outback about podcasting. How long did it take to get there? Well, you're going five hours from Sydney to Perth. Yeah. And then an hour and a half up from Perth to Newman. And then you're in the middle of nowhere. There's right? nothing. Nothing. The entire state of Western Australia, it's like almost half the country. It's like everything from Colorado West. And in that whole thing... Right. There's like a million and a half people, and a million are in Perth. Yeah. It's like San Diego, and then nothing. Nothing. Like 500,000 scattered mining towns and ranches. That's what it would be like. It would be like if you had San Diego, and then from San Diego... All the way up to Canada border. Nothing. Nothing. And all the way to like Colorado. So you're including New Mexico, Utah, nothing. Arizona, nothing. (laughs) Zero. 500,000 people in all that. We were flying into land. We're getting closer and closer, and we're all looking out the window, and there's desert. Yeah. And there's no roads, there's no phone lines, and we're like, when are we going to find a runway? (laughs) And literally, this runway lands out of nowhere, and we were like, holy shit. It is one of the most remote places I've ever been in. And I've been to Afghanistan. And Perth is, I guess, the most remote city in the world. I mean, in terms of distance from anything else. Yes. But, man. So what was it like when you got it? He's a... Works for a mining company? Uh-huh. So how big was Newman? Was it like a couple hundred people? 4,000. Oof. 4,000 people. What does he do all... I'm seriously, at night, where does he, what does he do? Well, I think he flies back and forth a lot, but he'll stay up there, and then, you know, he's driving around during the day surveying stuff. Um, it was like three women? Working was- in his office. Yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> um, and we went for lunch one day. There was a Subway sandwich oh, place. Sure. Yeah. We go there, and there's this... There's this kid from Atlanta working there, and we're just like, he's a black dude. We're like, dude, what are yeah, you doing well, yeah. here? He's just like, I don't know, man. We're just like, well, how did what you- What went wrong? What are you what? running from? <laughs> yeah, he's got to be wanted. How does he find himself- In Newman, Australia. Yeah. Like, where did you? What? Yeah, and you work at a subway. I, I was just like- No, he was working at the subway. Working at the subway. He's not even working in the mining? No, he's working at the subway, and he's behind the counter- and he's like, yeah, what can I get you guys? And we're like, like, where are you from? He's like, Atlanta. We're like, what are you doing here? He was just like, oh, he just shook his head like, I don't know. We're like, That's got to be a fascinating story. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, is, what is his deal? <laughs> he's not even in the city. You know, he's not even in Perth. Or No, that'd be cool. Yeah. That hey, Subway wants me to work in some cool in Perth. I'm, well, yeah. Well, I did comedy once in, uh, I did a couple shows in, uh, in Sydney and one in uh, Melbourne. And there were a couple Americans on the show. One was a black guy, but they had married Australian women. Right. A couple of them. One was married to Qantas flight attendant and stuff like that. So I get that. I see why they're living there. But they're also living in Sydney. You know, it's not like living in a tiny mining town in the middle of... God damn. Making sandwiches. Must have been a hot girl. I don't know what it was. My God. Working at a subway. Yeah. You know, we have subways in Atlanta. Yeah. Oof. 
And subway's in a lot of big cities where there's stuff to do. It's pretty sad that you're eating a Subway. Uh, subway's all, not like you. That's all we had, Mike. I know. Yoga. The bread. food in Australia is not really, unless, you know, it's not really uh, flavorful. I mean, it's like English food. Meat pies. Yeah. That kind of stuff. But, but you know? the big cities. And have... the cities you can get anything. But, yeah, not a lot of diversity in Australia. Until, and once you get out of Sydney and Melbourne, it's a, it's a lot of white folks. Yeah, a lot of white folks. A lot of white folks. A lot of white folks. But how would it, like the comedy, so I went there in 96. They got great clubs. They got great crowds. And now they got all these giant festivals. And it's big for podcasting. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, there's a lot of, like, the last two years for the Los Angeles Podcast Festival, we've done live video streaming. It's like a pay-per-view thing. Mm-hmm. And the Australian shows always do the best. Really? Because they get everyone from that country to buy the the, the live thing. Like Will Anderson and Steel Saunders. Why do you, do you think it's because they are always, they are so remote that they do like to get stuff from outside of it? Like, and there's only 23 million people there or whatever. There's, there's like no people. I know. California has more people than than they do. It's, they have... Um, it's it's funny because like Australia is is closer to American culture than like England. Yeah, because yeah. they're both about the same age. You know, they yep. all started around the same time, and there's, there there's no. That was the one drag about it. It was too similar, I thought. You know, and culturally, in terms of there's no real. There's not like old cities you can go see, and the, anything that's older than a couple hundred years old was Aborigine. It's been kind of wiped out, so it was kind of sad. But uh, yeah, there's really not that old mm-hmm. history. You know, yeah, and they both have both countries have a football game that nobody else cares about. Right, they have their they have their own football. Yeah, and they have a bat and ball game that are only played in a handful of countries. Right, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Did you see any sporting events? I always wanted to go to a live rugby. I I have I I really I want to go to see Aussie football. That'd be fun. I haven't had a chance to see any of it. Yeah, I saw a baseball game in Tokyo. <laughs> Once. Oh, how was that? It was fun. Who'd you see? I saw the uh, Tokyo Yakult Swallows. Okay. Against the Hiroshima Carp. Mm. Fun. It was fun. And uh, while I was just there in Taiwan, the World Series, their World Series was going on, and the uh, the Swallows were were in it. They ended up losing in like four or five games. To, Does Taiwan yeah. have teams in that league or something? Taiwan has their own baseball league. Uh. Taiwan has their own baseball league. But... Uh, but yeah, it was cool being in a place where they love baseball. You know, they love it in in South Korea as well. Right. You know, now we're getting pros from all of them. Before yeah, yeah, they were yeah. too small and stuff, but now they're fine. But it's like it was almost like kind of a minor league level, and they're only allowed a certain amount of uh, foreigners. Like so, there'll be like uh, you know Yam- Yashimiro, Takahari, Hernandez. Like, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> who's that guy? I didn't see any like old guys that I recognized. You know, sometimes you see that. Right. You know, some guy on the tail end of his career going to the old Tom Selleck, Mr. Baseball. Hey, Literally. man. That's Wouldn't what, be so bad. That's what, uh, that's what all the European soccer players do in the MLS. They come they, here, yeah. <laughs> they come here. I mean, I, it's a nice if, retirement. I was a, if I was a ball player, it's like, you want to go play in Japan or something? I'd go do it. Yeah. But there you can get, uh, you know, they, they love it. It's funny how they, they also love NBA. Where was it? The Philippines, they really love the NBA. Really? I saw more Lakers jerseys and stuff there. Oh, wow. They love it. And they're the they, they, they can't play it. I mean, they're not good at it. But well, China they, they has its it. own professional league. Yeah, I know. A friend of mine went there and followed it once. Like he had a buddy who was coaching there, so he just hung out with one team mm-hmm. in the in the Chinese basketball league. Yeah, it's pretty wild of what takes off. But you see the NBA 
like really courting that market. You know, yeah, they'll send oh, yeah. Kobe Bryant there and they'll do like a preseason tour. Mm-hmm. I think they played one game, I think maybe uh, like an exhibition there, a mm-hmm. couple. So much, it's too much money. I know. It's too much money. So where do you want to, where do you want to go with the film when it's, when it's done? Are you going to play overseas again? Are you going to show We're it? We're definitely going to show it in Australia. Um, we did a little cast and crew screening in Tokyo in November, which was really cool. Uh, but yeah, we want to screen it, um, in Australia and Japan specific because we have their story elements in the film. Um, and you know, wherever there's a big podcasting base, which is North America, obviously, but the UK has a lot of podcasting and you know, wherever we can, honestly, cause I, I, I really want this movie to sort of be the, uh, the, you know, the, the gateway drug for podcasting. Has Japan jumped on the podcasting thing? A little bit. The thing that's, People are who really want to are in countries where they want to learn English. I think yeah. podcasting has the potential of saying, "Hey, if you want to learn, you know, conversational English, listen to podcasts." That's so you're starting idea. to get you're starting to get some of that, right? And they have to study in the schools in mm-hmm. Japan. Mm-hmm. That was a tough part about that. I was there by myself going around Japan, and that can be a little lonely. There's like those lost in translation moments because it's not only in Japan, like a lot of uh, Asian cultures, they don't just come up to strangers and start talking. You know, they kind of right. like, it's a very American thing to do to sidle up to someone. Hey, where are you from? Right. You know, they just don't do that. They just kind of stay with themselves. So if you're just hanging by yourself, it's hard to break into the group, you know? Right. And, and plus, even though they learn English in the schools, a lot of them forget it for the tests. Yeah. You know, after they're done the tests, and it's like, if they don't use it, even if they know it a little bit, they and then they always apologize for. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. My English is not. It's like no, it's fine. It's Trust fantastic. me. Yeah, my English is fantastic. Much better than my Japanese, which yeah. is one word. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting to see how they're like something like podcasting would take off, and I think it's in the next couple of years. You know, a couple of big moments already happened. You know, you had what Serial did. Yeah. And you know they reopened the case, and then you had Obama coming to Mark Maron's garage. Those two moments were huge, and I think because those those things, at least in America, got picked up by the mainstream media, and I think more people are starting to – you're hearing less people say, what's a podcast? Right. But they're just like – they kind of know what it is. They just haven't like made the like, oh, it's – what are you know what? This, this happens to me almost – I swear to God, once a week. They go, yeah, I know this podcast, but how do you do it? I go, do you have an iPhone? They go, yeah. I go, it's on your phone. No, it isn't. I go – Pull it out. <laughs> See that purple I- podcast app? Oh, really? I mean, I've had this conversation, Mike. And I go, and then I go, type in comedy film nerds. Right. Oh, there it is. I go, hey, yeah, that's it. Boom. Look at that. You're subscribed now. There you go. You're in. Do what would the like in Japan and and China with their podcasts? What's the most common subject matter? Is it? Well, they probably can't talk about politics in China as much. I'm sure without getting. Well, it's it's, it's is it funny. Sports, that, entertainment. What are they? I mean, is it as varied as it is here? Every is, topic. It, yeah, but it's just not nearly as big. It's not nearly right. I mean, it's not that big in America, and it's bigger here than it is anywhere else. Right. Like sure, in Japan they have like a lot of like was it manja or the, the comic book stuff. Yeah, they have stuff. I'm like sure there's that. a lot of that, and uh-huh. you know, movies like yours or yeah. something. Yeah. But it's not as like. Everyone isn't out there doing one. Everyone isn't out there living, listening to one. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not taking the place of other forms of entertainment the way podcasting has started to do here. Right. Okay. But it will. Yeah. So where do you, if you had a dream destination that you want to go to, what would it be? 
anywhere in the world. For for what to perform or or just just, see just like where have you always wanted to go and you haven't? Wow, I've always wanted to go to like Tahiti. (laughs) Oh, well, you're a surfer. Yeah. Did you do any surfing in Australia when you were there? Yes, I did. I surfed Bondi Beach. Oh yeah. Yeah, outside of Sydney, it was okay. It's fantastic. Yeah, was it good? It was awesome. I had a blast. Did you get up along the uh, the west or the east coast there, like around? uh, You didn't get up to Brisbane or. Surfers I haven't done Paradise any of that yet. Any I, I got to get up there. Oh yeah, yeah. I got to get up. It's there. really cool. Um, so, where else? Um, you haven't been to too much. Have you been to Africa? No, I got to go to Africa. Yeah, I think you'd like it. It's I, cool. I really want to see Africa. I, I want to go to India. Um, there's a lot of South America I haven't seen. I've seen Brazil, mm-hmm. but I haven't been to Argentina or Chile or any place like that. I like to go. Um, Fiji, I'd like to see. Mm. New Zealand. Give me your best. Now, we'll do this thing. I'll give a little question and answer toward the end of these. Your top 10, uh, or not 10. Give me your top few uh, surf spots that you've ever surfed. I surfed one time. The the first time I went to Adelaide, uh, I caught one of the most amazing waves I've ever caught in my life just outside of Adelaide. Oh, yeah? Which was fantastic. Any shark sightings? Okay, that's good. Um, I surfed in Panama. That was just... Oh, which beach? Oh, I can't remember. A couple. They took me to a couple of them. I went there for a week and surfed. The water was so warm. Um, yeah, I went diving in Panama. Oh. I stayed at this great surf beach, and I'm trying to remember where it was, but uh, I thought of you uh, when I was there, because I was like, I got to come back with these guys, because they would love it. Oh, yeah, We man. camped right on the... It was right on this, like... Uh, it, you had to cross into it was a campground. Well, they had cabins and stuff, mm. but it was uh, you had you could only get there at low tide because your car would get stuck otherwise. You know, so it was so great, and you would stay out there and you just walk to the beach, walk out. Central America has, from what I've heard, so many great, just fantastic oh, yeah. beaches. Um, where else have I surfed that was just that? So was, you never did Costa Rica? No. Okay. We got to get down to Nicaragua too. Yeah, Andy Wood has been there a couple times, yes. and he's like keeps talking about taking us down there. And also Baja, you know, I haven't really done like Baja mm-hmm. that much. And there was a guy who just uh, did the show, and he knows this. He told me some uh, secret place that he goes down there because he leads tours down to Mexico a lot. And he said this place is like not a lot of people know about it, but it's it's great. And if you're a surfer, and it's like a four-hour drive from here yeah you know what i mean you don't think about it it's like oh yeah we can just go down we're two hours to the border we don't think about that oh yeah i do that yeah absolutely i do that what uh aside from the military flights give me your worst flight experience like commercial flight ever had any kind of uh near uh kind of like bumpy huge (laughs) drops in ever had your bags uh lost ever had uh Ever got into a fight on a plane? Uh, <laughs> Ever seen anybody freak out? Um, actually, the commercial flight we took uh, after Shama Tosh and I went to Afghanistan. So you fly, we flew military, and then we flew commercial from like I don't know Frankfurt mm-hmm. to like Washington D.C. or something like that. So then we had like a five-hour flight from D.C. back to L.A. And we were just fried, man. We've been traveling for like 20 hours. <laughs> and we had like, whatever, a middle and an aisle seat. And some woman was like, 
I well, my seat. I don't know if I. She, she kept like complaining about wanting to move her seat. What? What? I can't. And then they were like, "Ma'am, you know, we just got to get going. We got this is that's this is your assigned seat. You're gonna have to take it." And she was some, you know, wannabe Kardashian looking, you know, <laughs> princess. And she was like, but she just, well, I just, well, I don't, I think, you know, like with some sense of entitlement, I just went, lady, we're about to sit down. <laughs> I go, buckle it up and sit down. All right. I've been awake for 20 hours. If you keep running your yap, I'm going to buckle you up myself. <laughs> and she just looked at me and sat down. And I just was like, ugh. And I was so pissed off. And Shayma just looked at me. And she just starts laughing so hard. I was like, man. Because we had been like shot at oh, on a point yeah. on a military, like we had seen it's it. It's like all. you're in the home stretch. It's all we're gonna do. We're in America. Yeah. Just let let me get home. Just shut up. <laughs> you know, and also just like I just seen guys put it on the line in a war zone. I don't want to listen to your. I don't want to buckle my sheet and cry, baby. <laughs> shut up. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Did the did the like uh, flight attendant say anything? Sir, we'll handle this. No, the flight attendants just kind of were like, all yeah, right, high five you. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Thank you, sir. <laughs> So have you gotten, uh, like, you were asking me, I remember last week you had a thing, you maybe switching carriers. I decided when you sent me that email then that American is, is doing this thing, it's just like. Right, I, and we had just talked about it. Like, that. I sent it to you, it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yep, they're doing the same thing. So I just was like, I'm going to stay with United. They're just making it harder and harder Well, the and thing harder. is, it's like, okay, guys, I mean, someone's going to come in and kick your ass. Right. Someone's going to do it, and we'll all do it. We'll all join. I mean, honestly, like Virgin and JetBlue, if they ever expand their routes, I'll go yeah. with them. That's the thing. All these mergers, when they they took over U.S. Air, this is in the heels of all that. You yep. know, that, so now they're absorbing all U.S. Air's frequent flyers, and then it's like, oh, we got to make cuts to everything, and so people are like, oh, want to be, oh, it's so convenient that they're all like, yeah, you have less choice. Yeah, this is how it happens. And right. quality's going to go down because what are you going to do? So exactly what happened? Going to find the, somebody else? In the 80s, we went through deregulation. Yeah. They, they intentionally, because the air, airlines got too big. And that's <laughs> yeah. what they're doing. United, you know, bought out Continental, which, you know, like, or they merged or whatever. So now they're gone. Yeah. I've I, seen so many, just in the times that we've been in 20 years of doing comedy. I remember flying TWA. I remember flying. Northwest. Oh, Yeah. Uh, uh, America West Airlines. America West. There was one. It was ATA mm-hmm. into Florida. All these things. Ugh. You mm. haven't done the Spirit Air, have you? No way. Oh, it's the worst. I won't. Yeah, the Ryanair of America. And they're all like, "Oh, it's such a great, it's a cheap price." But then if you bring a bag that weighs yeah, more than nickel a pound, and dime the crap out of you. It's not. It's it's not a cheap ticket. If you have to pay all these extra fees, it's not <laughs> yeah. a, like. Are you an idiot? Like we were saying, I was just like when I got back from. Taiwan, and like I took a little short flight. China Air, I took yep. China Air from Hong Kong to from Taipei to Hong Kong and back. And uh, that's like a two-hour flight. And there's still you get food, you get you know what do you want wine and stuff. I'm in coach, cheap seat. <laughs> yes, yes I and do. The, thing, the I United would like States, the, the uh, air carriers. I got to fight for a pillow. Are are re- you know billion <laughs> dollars in profits, like. Shut up. <laughs> know. You know, after 9-11, we all understood, yeah, you guys, it's tough, and we all sympathize, but fuck you. It's been 14 years. You're making record profits. I mean, they're kind of taking care. I mean, you know, I, I'm a 1K with United, so, like, I'm going to Australia tomorrow, and I have two more international upgrades, so I'm flying there first class. 
I got upgraded. That's sweet. That's nice. Life flat seat, 15-hour flight. Because I'm gold on American, which gets me nothing in terms of upgrades anymore. I can't. There's right. always like a platinum or executive platinum in front of me. I can't get, I can't get bumped anymore right. unless it's like the plane has to be pretty empty for me to get a chance. Because now I used to be able to add gold, you know, most of the time right. get, get the upgrade. But now you're on the list, but there's always somebody ahead of you. Yeah. Always. It's brutal. Yeah, I know because I, I got to fly over the holidays. Did you do my cruise, Graham? Outstanding, Mike. Well, you're going somewhere. Tell uh, people about this is a great story why you're going to Australia. Because this will come out, this episode will come out this week. Okay. So uh, there's a podcast by the name of Steel Wars. This, this Australian guy, Steel Saunders, does a podcast, and it's all about Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars fan. We obviously end our comedy film nerds podcast every week with Han Shot First. <laughs> so I was on his show about a year ago, and he said... Um, Star Wars, he goes, I'm going to the premiere in Melbourne, which they premiere that movies are released in the States on Friday in Australia. They're released on Thursday. So he told me a year ago, he goes, which is like Wednesday here, which will be Wednesday here. Yeah. So he said, actually, Wednesday night, the 16th. Midnight till twelve or one a.m. on the seventeenth. I'm going to a midnight screening. So you'll be like the first in the world to see it. One of the first people in the world to see it. <laughs> and he goes, and we're going to do a podcast. And I said, count us in. I'm mean, a year ago. I just said, Chris and I are going to come. We got to do that. So we kept talking about it and talking about it, and we just it was going to be a lot of money. Yeah, the tickets are like twenty five hundred bucks that time of year. And now you're coming up. I mean, the holidays. Holidays, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so we're trying to get a sponsor. Um, to pay for it. And it was lining up to be um, our 300th episode for Comedy Film Nerds. And we do on Comedy Film Nerds these things called spoiler eps on occasions. We'll pick one movie and talk all about it. The ending, everything. And you tell people beforehand, it's like, if you haven't yeah. seen it, don't listen to this we, episode. We have special music. It's like, spoiler <laughs> alert, spoiler alert. Like, it's a, it's a whole right. thing. Um, so we thought we were going to go, and then about a month ago, we were like, we had to make the hard decision. We're like, we don't have the money to go. We can't do this. The sponsors aren't coming up. It's not going to happen. So we announced on the show, it's not going to happen, guys. We're so sorry. Four days later, a fan said, he, we have a donation button on our site, donated 1000 bucks, and said, if I give you guys four more grand, will you go to Australia? And we're like, yeah. Oh, my God. That's so great. So he paid us 5000 bucks. We are Chris and I are flying there. We arrive uh, Wednesday morning, the 16th. We have an interview with a TV station who wants to interview these two crazy Americans who are flying over to see Star yeah, Wars. That's great. We're going to see the midnight showing. Then we're going next door to a bar to record uh, a mashup of Steel Wars and Comedy Film Nerds at 3 in the morning. Is that going to be all about the, ep- the movie? All about the movie. Okay. So we're going to release a spoiler app at 6 in the morning Australia time Thursday, which will be Wednesday afternoon a full day and a half before you can see it in America. You know how hard that's going to be for every nerd out there who's got a ticket Friday night to not listen to your <laughs> thing? <laughs> I don't have a ticket yet for the opening, but I just know that it's going to be... If there's any surprises in it, it's going to be ruined by the time, even if I'm a day late. A day late. Six hours I, I'll late. have to go on full media blackout. you got to shut... you got to turn your phone off. <laughs> yeah. Don't turn on your TV. Don't turn on your phone. And walk with earplugs to I the theater. I can't believe so-and-so died. Yeah. You son of a... <laughs> I know. He's the bad guy? Really? Oh, God. So, um... This is amazing. So the guy just 
And some he, fan just gave and we you just 4, assumed, oh, he must live five thousand dollars. Live in Australia? Nope, he lives in Iowa. He just wants to hear it. Yeah, uh, podcast fans are the best. That's the greatest. Uh, they funded, they helped fund the first year of the Podfest. They helped. They well, we raised one hundred forty grand on Kickstarter for earbuds, and now they're flying us to Australia. So we're going to Australia, and we're going to record our three hundredth episode. Is going to be a spoiler app. In front of a live audience at wow. three in the morning in Australia. All this from two yahoos talking in their garage That's about it. movies. Plugging a microphone into a laptop <laughs> saying, well, I like that movie. I didn't like that one. That's all it is. Well, I hope uh, the Travel Tales listeners are getting a hint that maybe uh, I, there's a lot of places I'd like to visit mm-hmm. that maybe don't have the airfare. Tell I'll come what. visit you, listener. How about that? Here's what you do, guys. You send me money for a flight. I'm in. I am in. Yeah. Give Mike the money. I'll go interview you there. Yeah. You'll be a guest on his show. You want to be a guest on Travel Tales? Send it. Fly him out. Have Mike's. We'll travel. Yeah, boy. (laughs) Get a nice slogan, Mike. So uh, in terms of the movie, this is where you can get in your plugs. Um, Where can people see Earbuds and when can they see it and everything else? Earbuds will be out at some point next year. We're submitting it to festivals right now. It'll be probably for sale at the earliest to the general public by next September during the next L.A. PodFest. Um, and that's uh, earbudspodmovie.com or at earbudspodmovie on Instagram and Facebook where you have an earbuds fit, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. Now, where can people find uh, your podcast? Comedy Film Nerds. We are in iTunes. You can go to, we're on Stitcher. We're uh, so comedyfilmnerds.com. Um, we also have, uh, we have our own page on iTunes. If you go to itunes.com slash CFN, and that has a lot of movies we've recommended and, you know, other comics that write for us. We have a book out. So, yeah, go to ComedyFilmers.com. You can get all the info for everything. The movie, our podcast, everything. Well, bringing it back to travel, when you, when you go around the world and now with the podcasting, it's brought a lot of people closer. You're meeting friends that you mm-hmm. never would have met before. What is going to all these new countries and places you've never been and meeting these people – What has it taught you about yourself, life, maybe the planet in general, and people? I think, you know, podcasting has shown me um, that the world is pretty small. Everybody has pretty much the same hopes and dreams and fears and want to have a good life. And that on paper, a lot of people might seem very different to you. Um, but doing a podcast and then having them email us, Oh, I love listening to your show and then meeting them. Like they came to all the shows I just did in China. (laughs) Um, and I'm good friends with people now, like in Japan and, and like there's a woman Sanai who's in our documentary. She's like, I consider her like a good friend now. She's not just a fan. She's a Japanese housewife. When would I ever have known this woman? (laughs) And I think it has shown me. Um, how lucky I am to be an entertainer, to have this life, even though it's it's ups and downs and the money and the the politics surrounding it and all that stuff. But podcasting specifically, I'm so glad that that I'm alive in this time when it's happening, and that there's this technology. We're sitting here in my living room in my apartment, you know, in LA, nude, nude, both nude, <laughs> oiled up, um, <laughs> um and. Uh, and who knows who's listening to this? And that to me is like 
the coolest thing that you can have this connection to people and then fly and meet them face to face and see the world in, in a whole new, I think if everyone were to listen to podcasts and travel, I think it would help end a lot of fighting in this world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe you might be right. Because there's so many fans of comedy film nerds who might have different political views than us or whatever. And you, and you become a little more tolerant, a little more open-minded and go, okay, I see your point, you know, and fans have emailed us. Hey, you guys, I don't know that I agree with this, that, and the other thing. They're not mean. Like we don't accept like, "Eh, fuck you letters. But when people write cool letters like, hey, I love your show, but I kind of disagree or you forgot to mention this. And we always go, you know, you good point, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm more willing to hear what someone has to say as opposed to just living. It's so easy as a, you know, we can all just live in our little corner of the world and judge anybody that's different or outside of us. And I think traveling and specifically podcasting has has made me see the world differently. And excited to go anywhere because who knows where podcasting is going to take me. Awesome. Well, that's Graham Elwood, everybody. Comedy film nerds. Earbuds, the movie. That's right. Well, give me that one that website again. Earbuds. Earbudspodmovie.com. Earbudspodmovie.com. Well, thanks, man. Thanks, I'm Mike. glad you could do this. Have a safe trip. Thanks, buddy. I'm jealous you passed it. <laughs> 